Welcome to Through the Bible with Pastor Michael, a podcast from First Baptist Church in Mustang, Oklahoma. Here's Pastor Michael. Well, today we finish up our reading through the book of Genesis with chapters 47, 48, 49, and 50, and then also Psalm 16. Five observations from our reading today. First, the famine was so severe, the citizens had to exchange all their money, livestock, land, and even eventually themselves and their servitude for food. Conditions got extremely difficult for them, and uh, in needing food, they went and they, they gave their money, and then when they're out of money, they gave their livestock. When they're out of livestock, they gave their land, and then when they're out of land, they offered their own service in exchange for food. Second observation, Jacob lived to be 147 and lived in Egypt for 17 years. Third, Jacob wanted Joseph's sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, as his own, and then he blessed them, declaring the younger Ephraim would be greater than the older Manasseh. Um, And because of that, Joseph's family name is going to be carried on through Ephraim and Manasseh. We will see that as we continue to read through the Old Testament in the days to come. Uh, Fourth observation, Jacob gives a final blessing and prophecy over his sons. We read about that in detail today. And then fifthly, Joseph dies at 110 and said God would lead his people back to Canaan one day. That really sets the stage for um, what is to come as we progress through the Old Testament. Five applications for today. Number one, God raises up countries and leaders and can bring them down. We see that already here at the end of Genesis. We'll see that more as the Old Testament unfolds. Let me just remind you of Daniel 2.21. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings and knowledge to those who have understanding. The Lord can change times and seasons. He can remove kings. He can set up kings. This is very important because it reminds us, again, and you're going to see this all throughout the Scripture as we read through the Bible this year. You're going to see this over and over again. Yes, man bears responsibility for his actions. Yes, man is making choices and decisions based on their values, uh, based on how they stand up to temptation. Uh, based on whether they trust in the Lord or not. Yet, over all of those things is still the umbrella of God's sovereignty. Um, th- that concept um, frustrates or bothers some people, but, but it, the, the truth is the truth. You're, and, you, and you're confronted with it over and over again. Real people make real decisions that have real consequences, but no human being is sovereign. Uh, God can raise up kingdoms, God can bring them down. God can raise up countries, God can bring them down. God can raise up leaders, God can bring them down. Um, that's, the, that's what we see at the end of Genesis, and it's the testimony of, of Daniel 2 and, and all throughout Scripture. A second application is our God redeems His people. I'm thinking here in in Genesis 48, verse 16, the angel 
who has redeemed me from all evil. Uh, it's the first specific mention, I believe, here of God as Redeemer. And then we read about that and, and come to understand His redemption more and more throughout Scripture. Um, Psalm 19:14. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Um, in, in Job 19, I know that my redeemer lives. Uh, our God is our redeemer. He's the one who has bought us back. We were bought with uh, the precious blood of the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Third application, being with family until death parts us is a special blessing. It, it's hard to lose loved ones. It's hard to say goodbye. There is no easy way for that to happen. Um, but when family is faithful to their loved ones until death parts them, it is such a beautiful thing and such a beautiful blessing. Sometimes when I do the funeral of a couple that's been married for 50 years or 60 years or even 70 years, and one of them goes to be with the Lord. Um, it's it's a sad thing because it's hard to it's hard to see someone who is alone for the first time. Uh, but there is a beauty in it, and that beauty is this is a couple who pledged before the Lord to be faithful until death would part them. And seeing that actually lived out, seeing somebody who really was faithful until the very end seeing that commitment, that covenant in action is, is a beautiful thing. We see that with adult children, um, with their parents. As their parents get older and they're there by the bedside and they take care of them and stand by them and pray for them and minister to them till their dying moments. It's hard to watch. I've seen it many, many times. And yet there's a beauty in seeing people stand right by their family until death parts them. Being with family um, up until that very moment that someone takes their last breath on earth and goes to be with the Lord um, is a beautiful way to live out the, the love you have for your family. The Bible tells us to be absent from the body, is to be present with the Lord. And so when, when we're able to, to be there right as they take this last breath on earth to go in and meet the Lord, uh, is though though never easy, uh, is a beautiful example of faithful love and, and commitment lived out. Fourth, God's sovereignty rules over all. Chapter 50, this is one of the really well-known, uh, just beautiful statements of God's sovereignty in the Scripture. Chapter 50, verse 20, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Interesting wording. This, this, is, this is the Bible showing us this understanding and how we can view the, the details of our life. That in, in Joseph's life, his brothers made real choices. Those choices had real consequences. They are accountable to the Lord for their behavior. Yet, God still had a design and a purpose. Now, you can you can stay awake all night, night after night, trying to resolve the tension of how all that works together. Or 
you can say, you know what, I'm just going to believe what the Bible says, and I'm going to trust in what the Bible affirms. Like, there's a place to read and debate, discuss, and to try to understand the nuances of sovereignty and responsibility. And, and it's good to let your mind think on those things. It's good to try to learn and grow in your understanding. But eventually, you've got to come to the place where, as Spurgeon said, you lay your head on the pillow of God's sovereignty. Yes, someone may have meant something for evil, God uses it for good. In fact, in Genesis 50, it's more than even saying God uses it for good. It's saying God meant it for good. God was at work right then in the process. Um, so the, the way that I take this is as believers, it's not that everything that happens to us is, is the right thing in the sense of people can sin against you, and when they sin against you, they're doing wrong. Yet, even their sin is not sovereign. God is. And at some point, you just have to come to the place to where you say, I'm not God. I don't know all things. I don't know what's ultimately best for me. What I do know is I serve a God who raises up kings and lowers them, raises up um, countries and powers and brings them down. And, and though people may try to harm me and may succeed in some sense in harming you, yet it is God who is sovereign. And so you lay your head on the pillow of God's sovereignty and say, yes, the world may have meant this for evil. God is using it for good. Uh, my enemy, the devil, may have meant this for evil. God is using this for good. Um, someone may have tried to harm me on purpose, and they may have succeeded in in wounding me or in in um, taking something from me, yet God is still using it for good. Of course, we think here of the sweet promise in Romans 8 that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Make sure you love God. Make sure you've been called by God. Make sure you're living and walking according to His purpose. And then rest in the sovereignty of God knowing he is working all things together for your ultimate spiritual benefit. Rest in that. And then fifthly, a final application today. Forgiveness says more about what we think about God than it says about the one who hurt us. Uh, at the end of the story, the brothers are afraid that now that their father has passed away, that Joseph is going to seek their revenge. And Joseph says to them, verse 21 of chapter 50, Do not fear, I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. When you understand that, that God is sovereign, when you understand he's the one who will settle all accounts, when you understand you don't have to seek revenge, you don't have to ultimately put people in their place, leave that to the Lord. Entrust yourself to the Lord. Now you're free to forgive somebody. And sometimes we say, yeah, but they don't deserve to be forgiven. Uh, but here's the reality of it. When you forgive somebody else, it says more of what you believe about God than it does about that person. It's not so much that that person deserves to be forgiven or not, because ultimately it's not about them, and it's not ultimately about what they did to us. It's about recognizing we want to honor the Lord. And when someone has wronged us, the way we can honor the Lord is to forgive them. And then entrust the Lord to um, 
make right whatever he would need to do. Um, but whenever someone has hurt me, it's a sinner who has hurt a sinner. When I sin against God, it's a sinner who has sinned against a perfectly holy being. He doesn't have to forgive me. In grace, he chose to. So if God can forgive me, then when another sinner wounds me, and I'm a sinner myself, certainly uh, I can forgive them. And when we forgive somebody else who has hurt us, wronged us, lied about us, stolen from us, um, been unkind to us, whatever it may be, whenever we forgive somebody else, it is speaking much more about our love and faith and trust in the Lord than it is in anything else. And we could say the opposite too. If we're not forgiving, if we have an unforgiving spirit, in that moment, that is saying what we believe about the Lord um, in, in the wrong way. So let's be quick to forgive, knowing it says more about what we believe about God than, than anything else. And then finally, in Psalm 16, I want to spend just a, a brief moment here in Psalm 16. My summary is, the Lord blesses His children, counsels us, guides us, and fills us with joy. The psalm gives us a number of things God does for His children. He blesses us, He counsels us, He guides us, and He gives us joy. I do want to, to point out, though, in Psalm 16, that when he says, verse 5, The Lord is my chosen portion. Verse 6, The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. Verse 11, You have filled me with joy. Understand that when the psalm starts in Psalm 16, he says, Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. Why? You take refuge because you, you're in need, because you're under attack, because whether it's the storms of life or the arrows of your enemy, we need refuge because we live in a, in a difficult world. The psalmist is declaring that the Lord gives us joy, not because we have no problems on this earth, but because we have the Lord with us. Sometimes we think, if I didn't have any trouble, I would be joyful. If I didn't have any sickness, I would be joyful. If I had a better job, I would be joyful. The reality of it is, the Lord gives us Himself. And because He gives us Himself, now we have joy. He blesses us, He counsels us, He guides us. And even though enemies may abound, they cannot steal our joy because they can never take us away from the presence and the blessing of the Lord. And just meditate for just a brief moment on verse 5 and verse 6. The Lord holds my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. You know, like you, I, I, could, I could think about all the hard things in my life, and I could think about the frustrations of my job, and I could think about the the difficulties of the world, and they're there, they're, they're real. But at the same time, if you stop and think about all the blessings you have, think about the people who do love you. Think about the church that does teach you God's Word and minister to your soul. Think about the people in your life who have taught you and trained you, and the people today who pray for you. Think about how the Lord has given you salvation, the forgiveness of your sin, the promise of heaven. Think about the gift of 
the Spirit of God that is with you, that leads you and helps you. Think about all the blessings God has poured down upon you. And it's not that everything on earth is perfect. It won't be, not this side of heaven. But when you think about all the Lord has done for you, when you take your eyes off of your struggles, off of your frustrations, off of your disappointments, and instead choose to consider all the Lord has already done for you and all the Lord has in store for you and promise for you, you can say, as the psalmist said, the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. Maybe your life today is not all that you wish. Maybe your body is broken down. Um, maybe you, you don't have everything that you wish that you had. But if you are in Christ, you have a beautiful inheritance. Your future is bright and your salvation is secure and great is your reward in heaven. The lines have fallen for you in pleasant places and you have a beautiful inheritance waiting for you undefiled, kept for you until a day you leave this life and are absent from the body and one day physically present with the Lord. We can say the lines have fallen for us in pleasant ways. The lines have fallen in pleasant places and I have a beautiful inheritance. Rest in that. Be thankful and be grateful today. God bless.